listening to Hawks Insiders, home of quality analysis, special features, match recaps, interviews, and so much more. Follow us on Substack for extended coverage of all things brown and gold. Hi, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to the Hawks Insiders special edition podcast. We're going to chat very shortly to Will Day. Hawthorne gun midfielder. He is not, no longer a gun halfback. He's gun midfielder, freshly re-signed for four years. But before we say hello to Will, let's say hello to my co-host, Danny Prince. Hello. Ash, really, really excited to chat to Will. Um, so, so, so stoked to be here today. And um, these are one of, these are the ones that that we really get up for, isn't it? Where you get to pick the brains of, of a young guy who's really starting to cement his place not just in the team, but in in sort of the the AFL in his standing as a one of the top line youngsters, uh, and it's so exciting that he plays for our club. So really excited for this chat. It's to do the world day because you know there's been a lot of people uh, potting Hawthorne, and often with reason over the course of the first five weeks of the season, uh, no doubt about that. But over the first three weeks, what has universally been uh, accepted is that Will Day has his his stock has has risen off the charts. He's had a fantastic start to the season. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, would be leading the Crimmins, I think, even even with Saturday's game missed um, and next Saturday's game missed. And I think that speaks to the volumes of the level of playing that he's put out so far. And and um, and I'm for Hawthorne fans, Hawthorne coaches, Hawthorne Footy Club, um, Will getting suspended last weekend or the weekend before was just a gut punch because he's the guy you want to go and see at the moment, right? He's the one that's bringing people through the doors. He's exciting. It's new. It's shiny. It's it's really, really cool. So, um, yeah, can't wait to get him back. Can't wait to see him back in the team and um, see the different aspect to the midfield unit that he gives us at his size and his shape and his skills. I, I mean, it's it's super exciting. Yeah, there's not a whole lot. I mean, we're going to watch the kids at the moment. And uh, he is sort of, even though he's a fourth year player, he's still a kid. He's a pick of the bunch. And he's with us now. So let's have a chat to Will Day. Joining us is Will Day, freshly re-signed Hawks for four years. Sadly, not packing his gear for Tasmania uh, on Sunday to play his hometown team, the Crows. Welcome to Hawks Insiders, Will. No, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Great. So good for you to join us. Just sum up your feeling uh, as you miss a second straight game. So close on Sunday. It's not hard to think that had you or Mitch Lewis been out this Sunday, the Hawks might have got the win. Frustrating time for you? Yeah, yeah. It was obviously um, a very close game, but um, I was just I was pretty happy with our, our boys' effort the whole way through and um, at times when they had a bit of momentum um, in other games. We probably would have let that deflate us and we'd go on to lose by a lot more. So the fact that we're able to bring it back and we didn't quite get it all right, but there were, yeah, still a lot of positives. It was a, big, it was a third quarter big focus going into the game. And when GWS scored the first goal of the third quarter, Hawthorne supporters thought, well, here we go again. But then you dominated after that, the team dominated after that. Was that a focus going in? Yeah, definitely. We um, have had open conversations about our third quarters and we know um, that we can't just brush that aside and um, let that um, toil away behind um, yeah what's happening so 
going into it, that was a big focus. And for that to happen, um, I was probably a bit like the supporters. I saw the first goal and I was like, oh, please not again. But the fact that our boys were able to um, have a great showing in the third was, yeah, very good signs. It was um, on the back of a pretty impressive midfield display by our boys minus you on the weekend, Will. Um, Connor Nash, um, Jai Newcomb, James Warple all had really, really big games. Um, but obviously, you know, we, we missed the creativity, your ability to hit targets off both feet, all that sort of thing. How have you found the transition into midfield from a halfback flank this year? And what's probably the one thing that you've enjoyed the most from it? Yeah, I've loved it. Um, I played midfield all as a junior and um, sort of got pushed out as all the other guys got a bit bigger. So to finally um, put on a bit of size, get a bit fitter and get back inside has been awesome. And um, yeah, I've loved it. I've loved just being in the game a bit more and um, have loved my time as a halfback, but you're obviously not around the ball nearly as much. So just getting more opportunity to use it and yeah, I want to take the next step and um, you look at guys like Jordan Dawson now for the Crows and um, the way he distributes the ball, just um, try and get to that level, really. What was your focus in the summer? Was it, particular, was it the gym? What, what, what was it all rounded thing? Was it a particular focus that you sat down at the start of the summer? I guess with Peter Birch coming on board as well, what, what goals did you set yourself in the preseason? Yeah, I guess all through since I've been at the club, the gym's been an obvious one. But I think this preseason, sitting with Burgi and chatting to Mitch as well, um, was really just getting my fitness right. And I've had a few interruptions um, on the way through. So knowing that I did have access to a full preseason, we really wanted to capitalise that. And um, having Burgi come into the club who has a big focus on um, power and explosiveness has just really helped me. And um, in games now, I just feel a lot more confident, not just with my strength, but also running ability and getting to more contests. So that's been huge for me. What's been the um, uh, the focus from Bergia? What's he done to be able to sort of develop and give you that confidence and also, you know, develop that power and that, you know, real explosiveness that you talked about? Is there, I mean, don't give away all the, you know, trade secrets, but is there, does he focus on something in particular or? Yeah, Bergia's really good. He, he finds the strengths um, of each individual person and um, really hones in on that. So, for me, um, I'm never going to be the big inside ball inside. Um, and if I put on too much weight or get too strong, then I'm going to take away my strengths, which is um, burst and get away from the stoppages and work rates. So he's been awesome with that. And um, probably in the past, I haven't really been specific with what I work on for my strengths. So now to understand what they are and to really work on them has been great. How did you self-skate your first three years at Hawthorne when you sat down and reviewed 2022? Where did you, how did you think you'd gone? Yeah, I think my first year um, probably got exposure to AFL a bit earlier than um, I was expecting, which was great for me. And um, then going into my second year, I was really optimistic and uh, to have those injuries that year um, was pretty frustrating. So Coming into last year, um, although I did have a bit or a lot of an interrupted preseason, um, last year definitely wasn't the year that I was hoping for. And um, 
yeah, I was in and out of the team with just a bunch of different um, things that popped up. But yeah, the way I performed, um, it was quite frustrating because I just knew that I could perform a bit better. So yeah, I had a bit of fire in the belly coming into this year and um, yeah, it's come together a lot better than um, it did last year. So yeah, reflecting on the start, it's there were some positives and then some other aspects that, uh, yeah, probably wasn't where I wanted to be. So it's been good to get a bit of confidence to start this year. We we hear a lot about the the key of to set up a good season is to have a good preseason. Um, for you, you talked about last year being so interrupted in the preseason, you couldn't get a good run of it for a bunch of different reasons, little niggly injuries and all that sort of stuff. Um, you've obviously had a good preseason this year. Um, can you explain to us a little bit about, you know, the difference that that foundation makes for you guys as elite AFL footballers and the confidence it gives you? Yeah, definitely. I I always thought it was a bit of a cliche as well. And when you hear guys with, oh, um, once they get a good preseason under their belt, um, they'll be right. And I always thought, oh, yeah, we'll see, whatever. Um, but seeing what's happened after having this full preseason, I'm yeah really big on that as well. And just to get to the continuity through the preseason and to carry that into the season's been awesome for me. And um, I guess it just really gives you that base level to go into the season confident. Whereas last year, I was probably I came back in round round three, I think it was against Carlton, and um, just didn't have that confidence. I was yeah battling to get up for games whereas this year I'm going into games um as confident as ever so it's been huge so the first two games Hawthorne gets absolutely flogged but you went well what's the satisfaction level that you're going okay but the team's not yeah it's a bit of a tricky one um I mean the team you obviously everything's better when the team's winning and I think I'm also um, got to the end of those games and still um, pretty flat. So uh, I think it takes a bit longer into the week to then get the satisfaction of playing well once you reflect on it. Um, straight after the games, it's pretty easy to just be down in the dumps and not find many positives as well. So, um, yeah, I think the start of the weeks are always pretty down, but then um, once I reflected later in the week and realize that I'm playing a lot better footy than I have been. And um, I've obviously shown some glimpses in my career, but now to yeah finally do it back to back a bit more has been a bit better, but yeah, it's definitely still not, not as good as when you're winning. When I'll take one step backwards. So uh, Mitchell and O'Meara leave the club through the trade periods. Was it self, was it evident to you then that you're going to be moving to the midfield? Was it when you came back for training that Mitch communicated or did you even have an inkling as the trade period was happening that this is probably going to mean the opportunity for you that you've been seeking in the in the in the midfield? Yeah, I had a had a chat with Mitch um, in our um, end of season interviews, um, and he told me I'd I'd train the preseason as a midfielder, and obviously still having Tom Mitchell and Jagger at that stage, I um, was excited, but I still knew that it might have been just rotating in the midfield um, while predominantly playing half back and. Yeah, it probably wasn't until um, both of them are traded and then you look at the list and then it's like, wow, um, there is a big opportunity. And I think 
I think that also motivated me in the preseason um, because the chat I had with Mitch was, um, we'll train you in the midfield and we'll see how it goes. Um, if it's going well, you'll play midfield. If not, and you need a bit more time, then we'll get you back to half back. So I think that really motivated me and my training standards have lifted as well. So I wouldn't say it's just having the full preseason that's helped me. It's also identifying that um, my training in the past, um, I thought I was training well, but um, yeah, a few conversations and the way I've implemented some more standards this year, um, I've taken that to a new level, which has been great for me. Todd Mitchell's interviewed recently. It's probably the first expansive chat he's had since he left Hawthorne to go to Collingwood. And he did mention how proud he was of your start to the season. Um, what did you learn from him and from Jago Mir as well? And do you, have you in touch with all of those guys and do you still sort of pick their brain from time to time? Yeah, no, I got a nice message from um, Tom after we versed them in the preseason game, um, just saying how proud he was of me and um, that he, yeah, um, sees a lot of potential with me in the midfield. So that was really nice to have. And while he was at the club, he was great with us younger guys and um, a great connector. So, yeah, also just um, while I was playing halfback with them at the club, I, my end goal was always to get into the midfield. So I'd always keep an eye on um, what they're doing at training and things like that. So to have him there while I was at the club and Jager as well um, was awesome for me. And they're obviously two pretty um, established midfielders in the competition. So, yeah, to have them um, was awesome. And, yeah, to get some recognition from Tom as well was pretty special. A two-part question for you, Will. Um, you mentioned there that you thought initially that you were training well, but then you had this realisation that there's another level to get to. It's similar to a conversation I think I heard Dylan Moore have where he had that realisation before, I think just after he was delisted, that he needed to pull his finger out. Not that he wasn't training well, but he felt like there was levels to it, right? And that's yep. turned him into an elite AFL footballer. And I think it's doing the same for you is that just a, a maturity thing? What leads to that sort of light bulb moment? Yeah, I think so. Um, maturity probably is the word. I think my first three years, um, I'm playing AFL footy first year sort of just goes by um, in the blink of an eye. And then I think a few injuries as well in my second year, um, I probably naturally made a few excuses for myself. And then, coming back in um, the next preseason and um, training and getting back to games, um, it probably just filtered through and I was trying to get back to play my best footy and it just wasn't happening for me. And I didn't, I never put it down to training. And um, yeah, then a few conversations with Sam, which was really good for me, just um, around my training standards and, since then, this preseason, I just try to take it to a new level and I'd really have goals for each training session as opposed to last year. I could float through a week of training um, just ticking the boxes, whereas this year, um, Adrian Hickmott has been great for me as well, one of our assistants, and um, going into each training with um, a goal or a plan in mind to get the most out of everything, which I think has been the biggest difference for me. Absolutely. It leads perfectly onto the second part that I had. 
you've now transitioned into um, the midfield. And I think, um, you know, this is not to put a feather in your cap, but probably leading the Peter Crimmins after, you know, the first three rounds as a midfielder, do you, what are your goals now for, from here to the end of the year, um, establishing yourself in the midfield and, and, you know, do you set, do you change your goals and your aspirations because of the good start? Yeah, I think um, going into the season, I I had some pretty high goals. Um, and I think I've always been one that um, puts them a bit higher. And um, if you just miss them, at least it's better than um, the goals that you set much lower. So um, going into the year, I wanted to make the All-Australian squad. And um, probably after the Essendon game, um, I reflect and you look at that goal, I've got it written down. We've all got um, our goals written down and um, you look at it and sometimes you, in the back of your head, you think about changing it. But um, although the next few games um, gave me a bit more confidence with it, um, I think it's important. You can't really, you can't really change your goals based on how you're going because it takes away um, the belief that you had when you started and um, I don't, if it is changing for anything, as you said, the good start, maybe go higher with the goals, but I don't think you can ever change them the other way. After three weeks, you guys were leading clearances in the competition. Um, quite a turnaround after, you know, being non-competitive last year and all the talk about, you know, trading at Mitchell and Mir would be disaster, blah, blah, blah. But how, as, as a midfield group, and I know that you're only one and two at the time and then you got a hiding from Geelong the next week, but how satisfying was it after three weeks to look at those stat, stats and think, you know, actually as a group yourself, John Newcomb, uh, Warple and one or two others were doing, that you think, you know, we're doing okay? Yeah, it's been great, especially last year. Um, our midfield and the clearances was probably the one part of our game that everyone was talking about and that we needed to um, get a lot better at. So to come into this year and really swing that around. And um, I think centre bounces the change from last year to this year as well. It's been great because we've put a lot of work into the preseason and also week to week, we have a great plan going into games and um, we spent a lot more time around it. So to see some um, reward for effort's been awesome. And yeah, it's something that we're not satisfied with now. We want to, keep going and essentially we want to end up being the best clearance team in the competition as a midfield group um, as most would want to be. When you um, jump into a, a centre clearance, are there is there a player or two players that you really sort of get excited to be working with in, in that midfield group more? Not necessarily as a disrespect to anybody else, but is there somebody that you go, yeah, look, John Newcomb, I love working with him. I know the way he plays. I've got a connection with him. Um, who who are the guys that you really feel connected to in that midfield group? Yeah, I think um, with our group as well, it's great that we've got a good balance. So for someone like me coming, on, uh, coming in with a bit of a slider frame, I love when Connor Nash um, is squared up against one of their big guys as well. And we know what we're going to get from him. We're going to get his body. We're going to get his presence. Um, and then also John Newcomb, he can play that, but then he can also be the one that has the outside game, which he's developing really nicely as well. So they're just to name a few, but we've got a great balance. And I think that's what's been good um, in the way we've turned it around this year. 
So after you had the two bad losses, you picked yourselves up and you went down to North and went down to Tassie and beat North. What was that week like? Who are the guys around the club who picked things up after two bad losses? How can the, you know, what, who kept you the spirits going and uh, kept things upbeat? Because if, if, if the supporters, if the players took the supporters, it would have been another 15 goals. The supporters were catatonic after two, two weeks, but uh, you guys picked yeah. yourselves up pretty quickly. Yeah, I guess a lot of us at the club as well, we know um, the journey that we're on. And although the two losses were very tough, um, we got to, in times like that, you just got to step back and look at the bigger picture. And um, to have guys like Maury, Jarman MP, uh, Mitch Lewis, those three in particular around the club, um, they just go out of themselves to even they're feeling the exact same. They're all hurting as well, but um, they're really good at getting out of themselves and caring about others. So um, Sam was really good about it as well. Sam um, had a great balance of letting us know what we've done wrong because we obviously need to work on things, but then also keep a good vibe around the club because if you go to, you can go down a bit of a rabbit hole when you are losing games like that and um, it can get pretty sad pretty quickly. So I thought as a collective, we've done yeah pretty well to get out the other side. Um, a question around the tanking talk going through the media. You chatted to us offline. You said you're a bit of a footy head. Do you consume outside of uh, Hawks Insiders, obviously, do you consume much uh, or football media or do you just watch the games and steer clear of the noise? No, I think just as much footy as I do watch and how interested in the AFL world I am, I do naturally come across um, the media. And, yeah, the tanking stuff is um, pretty prominent um, going around at the moment. So, yeah, I guess... It's pretty laughable um, as well. So I don't really take too much to it. I just sort of look at it and um, it's always good to know what's being said. But yeah, as long as you don't take it um, to heart or anything like that and you move on pretty quick. There's a headline, Day Laughs at Footy Media. Um, I want to ask you about <laughs> the um, I'll ask you about the tackle. So... After the tackle, for which you, you you got suspended, do you realise at the time? Oh, I might have, uh, I might have, might be a bit of trouble here. Or was it sort of after the game that you realise, or someone taps you on the shoulder? You know, one of the footy admin guys says, "Oh, you might uh, be in a bit of trouble with that tackle." And and how yeah. how involved are you in the decision to? Are you consulted every step as they work ahead? They're going to challenge it or not? Are you involved every step of the way with the club in terms of what they're going to do once once the report comes out? Yeah, so initially um, when I tackled him and you hear the free kick for dangerous tackle, it sort of flickers in your head a little bit. Um, obviously correlating dangerous tackle to whether it's a fine or a suspension, but um, the rest of the game um, wasn't really thinking about it. And then um, after the game, I started ticking through the head a little bit, um, but nothing too severe. And then... It probably wasn't until the next day when, um, yeah, started to chat with the club. Um, and, yeah, they're really good. They Once we found out what I'd been charged with, um, they sort of talked me through whys and um, also the aspects we can go with when we challenge, if not. And, yeah, I, I guess um, they were asking for my opinion of it all and 
they were really good um, to communicate with me. And um, it's definitely not all up to me whether we challenge or not. But yeah, I'd say I did have a say um, as part of the decision-making process. Are you going to change anything with your game as a result? Do you have to change your technique? I know you've got a tackling coach at the club. Have you uh, had any extra sessions or do you need to do something different? Um, we do. We do have a guy coming in and um, we're always practicing our tackle technique. And um, I think in that instance, I, yeah, I was in the heat of the moment and I was playing footy. So, yeah, I, I still reckon there's not much more I could have done. I think I think most Hawk fans will agree with you. I think, I think it was pretty pretty stiff. You know, there was a football action. And I think that's the, you know, probably the hard part for footballers in the heat of the moment is you go, well, you're making these split second decisions to tackle, to not tackle, whatever. And and I think that one was just one of those ones. Bit really unlucky and you know, bit rough to cop two weeks for it as well. Now, um, Will, you've been on the list. This is your fourth year now. Um, you're actually one of the older players at the club with the sort of the rebuild that's happening at the moment. Um, uh, which which of the younger guys that have come in in the last couple of years have really sort of made a good impression on you? And have, do you see sort of coming in and, and uh, having some really high expectations for as they establish themselves as AFL level footballers? Yeah, I think, I think naturally the two, um, over the last two years, the two high picks we've um, had with Josh Ward and Cam McKenzie, they're both just really good, really good blokes to start with. And then also we've seen um, glimpses of their potential as well. So I think to start with them and I think we've got those two picks um, right. And to go from there, um, as you work down, um, Josh Weddle, uh, there's been a lot of talk around him and, I think in the future we'll see a lot of him um, in the Hawthorne Guernsey and uh, guys like Connor McDonald, Sam Butler. Um, but he's working his ass off in the VFL and putting together some nice performances as well. So I think we've, um, the last two drafts, we've got some great depth and um, yeah, we'll continue to just try and um, keep bringing good players, but also good people into the club. I want to talk to you about your your new contract, Will. So we had the tip off a few weeks ago that uh, said Will Day has bought a, a nice big new house in Adelaide and he's gone. He asked for trade, he's gone. <laughs> so obviously the second part's false because you signed a big deal. Have you bought? Did you buy yourself a nice place in Adelaide that got everyone a bit uh, anxious? No, yeah, I did buy a place. Um, bought a place on my family street actually. So just an investment. Um, it was pretty, I'd been looking for a place um, for a bit, had been approved and things like that. And then we had a four day break and I went back to Adelaide and it sort of just popped up and mum showed me it. And I was like, oh yeah, it's not too bad. And she said, oh, the auction's today. And I was like, oh, all right, we'll go to it. Whatever, ended up um, walking through it, uh, really liked it. So registered to bid and um, yeah, came away with it. So it all, worked out in the space of six hours um and yeah when it happened i knew it was probably um gonna make its way out but yeah had nothing nothing to do with anything like that 
Okay, but it was a big decision to make um, to commit yourself for four years, and it's going to be a lot of that's going to be a rebuild period. Was there a temptation to go? You don't have to talk about what you others were. I'm sure you you're across what was being offered, but by others, but was it seriously tempting to to go back uh, to South Australia this early, or was it always it's going to take something really special to prize me away from Hawthorne, and I can see no reason to leave? Yeah, I think. Um... It was, yeah, having the start I had at Hawthorne and just the way they've welcomed me in and having only been here four years, um, yeah, it's just not in my nature to be able to go away from a club like that. Um, And, yeah, I love the culture we have. And there was obviously a bit of interest, um, which was publicly known. But, um, yeah, I think, as you said, it was going to take something um, ridiculous to get me out of the situation. I mean, just because I am loving it and hence why we went for a four-year deal and, um, yeah, really show everyone that I am committed and committed to the journey that we're on. And it's a really interesting deal, the four-year deal, Will, because it comes out, I believe, once you come out, you're eligible for free agency. And I think also once you come out of it, Hawthorne are going to be in a really interesting and different place. And there's, you know, there's obviously always talk about transitioning football teams and stuff like that. Um, there's a chance you're you're potentially leading the football club in a formal capacity um, on field when you come towards the end of that contract. Is that something you look towards? Is it something that you have aspirations to do, you know, captain or vice captain or anything? And it, did it play into your mind around length of time that I, you know, re-sign for to set myself up in that sort of direction? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, captain scene, vice captain or leadership as a whole is definitely something that I'm aspiring towards. And um, in my first three years, I'd, I'd probably been focusing a bit too much on leadership and um, the performance probably wasn't there. So this year, um, I've tried to take leadership a different way and um, start by performing on the field, which has been quite refreshing for me and let the leadership naturally come after that. And, um, yeah, I guess I don't think it really played into the deal too much. The four-year deal was more, um, I love this club and um, I want to stay here for an extended period of time. So I guess it more matched up with, um, yeah, just the time I want to be and um, the player I think I'll become in four years. And then we go again from there. Um, when you first got drafted to Hawthorne, there was a lot of excitement about the, the connection with your, with your grandfather who played in the 71 premiership team. And uh, it was said to me by a member of that team, uh, young Will won't, uh, he'll feel the love from that team. Uh, it's a very close knit team, the 71 team. I think they get together every year and, go away together and, and do that sort of thing. If you have, have your grandfather's teammates sort of been really good to you over the last four years, reached out to you. I know you probably don't want to hang about with a bunch of old 70 year olds these days, probably not a lot of fun, but do you feel the love from that group of guys? Yeah, no, it's been pretty cool. Um, Peter Hudson, I've seen a few times and um, we always have great conversations and um, Bruce Stevenson as well. He's, I've been over to his place for dinner and, um, it's pretty cool having the connection with grandpa to them. And yeah, I always get text messages coming through and they're always really keen on my journey and 
I'm where I'm going. So it's pretty special. And I guess that's another reason why I love Hawthorne so much and having that connection with my grandpa, I, I just couldn't have seen myself leaving that behind. That really is the definition of the family club, right? And that's what the the Hawks are all about. And I think we've seen that more and more with um, some of the sort of recruitment of of Hawthorne supporters growing up. Now, I know you were, you've said in the past, you were a Suns fan because of your cousin, um, but you know, Josh Ward grew up barracking for the Hawks. So did Jai Newcomb, Dylan Moore, Cam McKenzie, Jack Scrimshaw. I mean, the list goes on and on. Finn McGuinness with his family ties to the club as well. Can you feel that in a day-to-day basis or when you're out there competing that there's, is is there any more? Because I think most sort of passionate Hawks fans will go, if you come into the club being connected to the club, you're going to, you know, bleed for it a little bit more. Do you, do you feel that will? And and is that sort of, is that started to build, you know, part or form part of the culture that the club's trying to create now? Yeah, I guess so. I think, um Speaking for myself as well, it does add that next level when you do pull on the Guernsey each week. It's not um, just a token thing you do and it's something you do think about and I'm sure the rest of the group that you just named would be the exact same and it's pretty cool seeing some old photos of um, Maury um, in the cheer squad or Jack Scrimshaw with all this stuff put on and I think the group we have now coming through we are very close and I guess that does play a big part to it. And it just feels like the group coming through are just going to stick together. And um, we know it's tough at the moment, but I think as long as we're all in it together, we're going to come out the other side. Gather around with a fantastic uh, initiative by the AFL um, and the club has come out and said it wants to make Norwood a time for the next few years. It said, we're happy to let the other clubs fight over playing Adelaide over. We'll take Norwood. Um, I, I had the privilege of being there. It was result aside, it was a th- cracking day at the footy, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty cool experience. And being an oval that I had played on um, in the Stanfall um, under 18s, and yeah, it was pretty cool seeing it packed, um, being up in the grandstand and. When um, Jarzy's goal, always behind, almost went through, it was pretty electric in such a small, um, confined stadium. Um, yeah, I reckon it was pretty special. And, um, yeah, I'd be happy to chuck on the boots and get out there next year. Yeah, the crowd was about 95% Hawthorne. I mean, there were a couple of pockets of GWs here and there. And all the neutral fans were at Ode Oval. So, it really, it was just... The only people who went to that game, apart from two or three curious Nord fans and 500 Giants fans, was was Hawthorne people. It was quite remarkable. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I had a lot of feedback as well from the guys playing that they loved it as well. And, um, yeah, it's definitely something we're looking forward to next year. The other thing was Paul Piopolo had a box. I think there's about three boxes in that stand and Poppy had one. He just basically sat there all day and people just giving people the raw wave as they walked past and everyone stopped for photos. The king he of loved seeing you guys there as well. Oh, yeah. Having played for Hawthorne and then obviously Norwood as well, he would have been the talk of the town, I reckon. So, so we've got a question for you before we go. Um, your surname allows all sorts of pun headlines, <laughs> cliches, we want to ask you what's the best or the wor- and the worst headline you've seen because you say you consume a bit of footy media, so I expect you have an answer to this. The best and worst headlines or cliches or use of your name 
in footy media? Yeah, there's been a lot. Um, some of them, you look at them and you just can't help but roll the eyes. But I guess oh, another flag, I think when I did my first contract extension um, in my first year, I think um, they did the days for the two years that I'd um, done and then they'll just do X amount of days of will and whether it's another one might be or day for it or I think that they did one over Valentine's I think in my second year and that was the worst one I've seen I can't remember what it was but the photo they used for it as well was shocking as well so that that one's probably the worst the Valentine's one any good ones oh I think I think just the day for it is although it's so cliche and you hear it all the time, I think that's the about the only one that I'll cop, but all the others are no good. So sadly, Sunday you'll be watching on and you told us off air beforehand you, you're not making the trip because I think they're going to flog the living suitcase out of you out at Waverley to get you ready for the dogs. I think it's a six-day turnaround, so it's probably a good idea. How do you, what sort of watcher are you on TV? Are you anxious? Are you chilled? Will you watch it with whichever teammates you can? How will you spend uh, the day watching Hawthorne on Sunday? Yeah, I'll um, I'll get a few of the other boys that aren't playing and get them over home and watch it. And I'm um, on the TV. I'm not, oh, I get pretty worked up. If I was watching that GWS game on TV, that probably would have killed me. But um most of the time I'm pretty measured and I'm trying to find um, trends of the game or um, look at it from a bit of a bigger picture. But um, in those close moments, you can't help but be standing up off the couch and getting right into it. Well, one other thing I want to ask you is, so the video that you put out when you re-signed, you and Dylan Moore going for a walk and getting a coffee, I, I noticed it was filmed in a Bayside suburb. I think it was Hyatt. Are the boys starting to already with Dingley in mind? And we've got one particular listener to this podcast who's obsessed by Dingley. So shout out to you, Patrick. Um, are the boys starting to move to that part of town with a view to Dingley? Because I know Richmond used to be the Hawthorne Enclave, as I understood it back in the day. But are the boys making the move Bayside? Yeah, we've definitely got a bit of a crew forming now. Um, Maury and I are living here. We got Jack Scrimshaw on the same street, just a bit further down. We got Mitch Lewis. Five streets away, Carl Amon just around the corner. So I think especially with Dingley in mind, the guys that are starting to buy or starting to look for a new rental are definitely coming further this way. Whereas, um, as you said, Richmond, Hawthorne have previously been where they all have been. And although that's not bad for Waverley, I think it might end up being a bit of a trek for Dingley. So I think the move will start to be made by a few of the boys can fight with the St Kilda boys who also dominate that area because they're it's even closer to their headquarters <laughs> than to yeah. yours. Well, uh, we'll leave it there. Um, thank you so much for your time um, and for what you've had to say has been really enlightening. So we thank you. We wish you the best of luck for when you do get back into the team. Um, what do you th- with this going ahead before the Adelaide game? What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be a great challenge. Um, they lost their first two games, but 
right now they're probably um, the most informed team. So I think it's going to be great, especially with how our midfield are going, um, clashing against theirs as well. So I'm expecting some pretty good footy. And I think, as I'd say each week, if we play our footy, I think we can um, match it with any team in the comp. So um, hopefully we can play our way and, yeah, come out with a good result. Well, everybody listening to this podcast will no doubt agree and hope that is the case. Thanks for your chat. Good luck for the training session Sunday and when you're back in the side and hopefully we'll talk to you again before too long. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. That was Will Day. And uh, Danny, I think it's safe to say that was a pretty good chat. Unreal. I mean, you know, these, these are the, I think I said this at the, in the intro, these are the sorts of chats we get up for um, and will absolutely deliver just like he has all season long uh, on the football field. So yeah, looking forward to already looking forward to the next one, whenever that will be with Will. And um, yeah, he, he was very insightful and I think very articulate in the way he answered the questions and trying to give us a little bit of insight into, you know, life as a footballer and his progression what he looks to achieve, his goal setting and all of that sort of stuff. I think we're really, really, really good. Now, he's a super smart football, smart guy and a super smart footballer. So uh, it was wonderful to chat to him. He's, uh, he's, you know, his love for Hawthorne clearly came through and uh, got to the bottom of all those rumours about him leaving that a few of us might have fallen for. Um, so it's great to, great to hear from him. And I think, you know, if he's a, and he's not really leading at the moment, but I think it's pretty clear. Given a couple of years, he'll be one of the leaders at the footy club. So it was a wonderful chat, and we hope that you have enjoyed it. That's been it for this uh, Hawks Insiders uh, special edition podcast. Don't forget, $5 a month, $50 a year for great online Hawthorne content. Our post-match player review will be up Sunday night, Monday morning following the Adelaide game, and our weekly spaces through Twitter. Yes, we're sticking with Twitter for the time being. Uh, is on a Thursday night at the moment when, when there's no Thursday night footy. I've been absent the last few and I'm desperate to get back and mix with the punters again. Danny, very important. So uh, I look forward to getting back on those. So thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Danny, for taking time out to join me in this conversation with Will Day. And we will talk to you again very soon on Hawks Insiders. Thanks and enjoy your weekend. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.